Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. Karen and I are delighted to be joined today by Nicholas Anderson, who's a highly experienced barrister practicing at One King's Bench Walk in London. Nick deals with both the financial side of divorce cases and children's proceedings. He's been involved in cases in the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court, and he regularly appears in the High Court. He's also a qualified mediator, and he sits as a recorder in family law cases. Nick has a particular specialism in child relocation cases and frequently deals with cases involving allegations of abuse and parental alienation. So thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. No, thank you for inviting me. And Nick, um, it's really nice to be able to talk to you about this topic. We don't use the N word, you know, the narcissist word. We don't use that in court at all. I mean, at the moment, Karen and I tell people to obviously tell your solicitor or your barrister if you think that that's what's going on. But actually saying it in court in front of a judge, that's something that we sort of tell people not to do at the moment because we're not sure what proportion of judges actually recognise narcissistic personality disorder as an actual clinical entity. Oh, I, I completely agree. I don't necessarily simply blame the legal profession for this. I, I think that the medical profession hasn't hasn't done a great deal to help itself with all the uh, academic debate and the, the practical debate about whether NPD is, is a diagnosable issue, whether it should be included as a subset of borderline personality disorder, whether it's a, a thing which you can diagnose on its own, the differences between ICD-10 and and 11, yeah. So moving from ICD-10 um, to ICD-11, which is the International Classification of Disease Manual used to sort of code for diagnoses in the medical profession, Eleven, ICD-11 starts, I believe, in January, and they've removed the subsets of personality disorders. So there is now just one section called personality disorder, and then you can sort of pick out different bits, but they haven't really included personality disorders in all the different types in the ICD-11 
at all. Whereas in the DSM, which is the American manual, narcissistic personality disorder is still in there. And there are two different ways of diagnosing it. There's a new-ish alternative model as well as the the more traditional model of diagnosis. So you're right. I mean, the medical profession hasn't helped at all. And medics aren't trained in narcissistic personality disorder and many other personality disorders um, at all anyway, and nor are psychologists or or therapists. It's a real issue and it doesn't help. No. And, And of course, for medics, things aren't binary in a way that they have to be in court. The answer is yes or no in court. So is this person suffering from or is this person a narcissist or not and I I think to a to a judge or to a lawyer that's quite a simple question but but to a medic it probably isn't because there are probably a great deal of other things going on as well. And also of course in medicine that the narcissist is unlikely to actually present to the doctor with their narcissistic personality disorder and say oh help me I think I've got narcissistic personality disorder please change this because obviously having NPD allows you to exploit others um, for your own benefit and therefore it's not something you would want to remove I mean, part of the condition is actually not being conscious of it at all so it's extremely rare for them to have any idea that they actually are narcissistic and they're not going to want to change it anyway so you have this kind of diagnosis that can't be cured even if you wanted to and people don't go and try to get it cured because because it doesn't suit them to get it cured, even if they are aware of it. So there's this sort of threefold issue with it. So really, it's almost more important for lawyers to understand it than it is for doctors to understand it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with all of that. And, and I also understand the advice, Karen, which you give to clients. Don't mention the N-word in court. The, the, the fear is, I suppose, that if, if somebody goes to court and says, well, my partner or my former partner is, is a narcissist, the starting point of whoever hears that is to think, "Mm, what does that say about you? Exactly. That's probably wrong, but I think that's the advice of that's the fear we would all have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I think that there's, there's a real concern that, um, you know, you don't know your audience. So you don't know how that's going to be received or whether there'll be any understanding of what that condition involves or whether you'll just be seen as throwing trendy accusations around um, that have no substance whatsoever. And as you rightly say, Nick, say more about your client than they do about the other the other party, which is a really dangerous starting position to have and can adversely jaundice your tribunal's view right at the outset if you're not careful. I, I agree and risk that the, uh, the tribunal ultimately thinks that well, she's just saying this or he's just saying this because he's read about it on Google. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or that they are the narcissist or crazy or you know, whatever label they, they wish to attach. It's a real issue. Well, and of course, in some cases, that might be right. And I think if you have a lawyer who doesn't understand the condition properly and is being told that the other person is narcissistic by the spouse who genuinely is as part of their manipulation and as part of their projecting and everything else that goes with it if you're not attuned to that situation you can find yourself absolutely the wrong way around in in the case um looking taking an approach which, which is actually compounding the abuse rather than trying to find a way through it and trying to find an ability to work in a way that's best for the family having an understanding the personalities that you're dealing with 
And Nick, have you ever encountered any triangulation between you, your instructing solicitor and a client, sort of taking on from that theme that, of course, you've got to follow your instructions and and represent your client in the best way that you can. But have you ever been conscious of that triangle being set up between the three of you? Um, And and what effect might that have on, on your presentation of a case on behalf of your client? Yes, I have. And, and I think in a, in a couple of ways, when I, I start to think, mm, this, this doesn't feel right. One is the client who replies to emails just to me, mm. rather than copying in the solicitor or the other people in the team. And, and there's a feeling, or certainly I gain a feeling, that they're trying to get me on side. Mm. Or that the, the, the client and I are the only ones who really understand each other and that the rest of the people in the, in the team uh, somehow don't. Yeah. Um, and then another way in which I have come across it is with male clients, there's, there's a sense sometimes that the male client and I have a special connection which the female professionals involved just don't get. And because we're the men in the room, we, we can somehow see things differently and we can rise above this and uh, reach sensible and informed decisions, which which frankly nobody else could, and and I think it's really important for all the lawyers to be aware of that and to to spot in real time those dangers and and those telltale signs as they come up. Have you ever suggested to a solicitor that might perhaps have been unaware that their client might be narcissistic? Have you ever suggested that you think that their client might be? I'm I'm not sure I've ever suggested that a client might be narcissistic, but I've certainly suggested to solicitors that that these are clients we have to watch out for and we all have to be on the same page and we all have to make sure that we don't allow them that is the client to play us off against one another Um, and it, it, it can sometimes be a little bit like dealing with a an angry child who whose mom says no you can't have chocolate so then they go and ask dad and I think that the solicitor and the barrister just have to make sure that whatever we're doing and saying and how we're advising the client and the direction of the case is the same. Because if, if you allow cracks to develop, then the, the narcissist is capable of shoving a crowbar into those cracks and opening them up. But I don't mean that we all have to give the same advice because different professionals can give different advice. But we just have to be straight with each other and we have to make sure everything is done completely above board and in a way that we all know what each other is saying. Following on from that, one of the ways that we find the the biggest issues arise is perhaps if you've negotiated an outcome at at the FDR, for example, or there's been some kind of um, child arrangements plan um, that's been um, agreed upon and that's to be drafted by the barristers. If it's not done so that it's absolutely, that it has no holes in it whatsoever, no loopholes, the narcissist in the next few months or the next few years or whatever will find any loopholes and actually exploit them and continue the abuse by doing that. So really, consent orders have to be absolutely um, rock solid and and every little detail has to be thought of and and specified. And that's where we've noticed that there's a big problem um, with these cases. I agree. And I think particularly in children cases, that's really difficult to do on a practical level because what might work for a child who's at primary school just doesn't work for a child at secondary school. So you you may put in place arrangements that collection will always be from school on a Friday evening, 
But if, if that just doesn't work as school commitments change, the narcissist will use that as an opportunity to pick away at the scab and to try and uh, reopen the whole litigation. And I think it's really important at that drafting stage to, um, to try to cover off those eventualities, either with confirmation of some kind of mechanism to review changes on designated dates. So, you know, perhaps thinking about going into mediation, even identifying the mediator or the mediation practice and, and the time frame within which that might happen. So that you've actually got a really detailed order, almost with a roadmap with it, um, to show, to set out by agreement how future issues might be resolved, which I appreciate isn't watertight. Um, but I know that sometimes, you know, the hard push judge who wants everything done and signed in three and a half minutes while one's in the court waiting area or, or remotely now, or simply when you're batting a draft order between council and getting solicitors to feed in and everybody's busy doing other things. The hearing happened a couple of days ago, the judge is pressing to have the order back. And there's a huge danger of doing these things too quickly just to get them in. And again, I think that's back to you know, if you've got a judge who doesn't understand the dynamics and the issues that need to be considered and or professionals involved who are very busy. And, you know, perhaps if they, they don't have the training and they don't realise that actually their opposite number is putting all this stuff in for a reason, that's when it can become problematic and just leave wide open the opportunity for the narcissist to go back to court at the first given opportunity. Oh, yes, I, I do. Primarily, it's the fact that arrangements for children change as they get older. Um, and I think if you're dealing with fairly young children, you almost sort of kick off the, the, um, the teenage problems to another day and think, well, you know, we can't speculate and who knows. But I think it's so important to build in um, the framework and the way in which to deal with things and and actually it can work quite well because if if the narcissist feels that if you if you appeal to that sort of special side of their personality um, and and say you know actually you're going to carry on working with professionals because your 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 situation is is um important enough to be doing that and we just want to have that in place so that you know where you're going to be going sometimes that's quite appealing um, and they also like the opportunity for there to be some kind of ongoing something um, especially if they think the other parent doesn't want it whereas if you're acting for the the, the non-narcissistic parent giving them the reassurance that you've got an order that's capable of alteration by agreement and you've got a roadmap in place to achieve that can often allay their fears that they might just get one day knocked sideways with a, a sort of thunderbolt new court application or some issue that hadn't been considered. I also find one of the problems in drafting and this has become more of a problem when we're not all in the same place because taking instructions is a more prolonged process one of the problems in drafting can often be that the narcissist asks for lots and lots of information to appear on the face of a court order, which often just sort of reflects how wonderful they are. And those of us advising their, their partner or their, their former partner, uh, there's a very easy tendency just to shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, look, we can include all of these recitals. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's simply allowing him or her to walk away from the situation with a, a record of their own views on the order. And I think quite often we end up saying to people, well, just, just agree to these recitals, it, it doesn't matter. 
and then they cut back to bite. What sort of things? Well, there, there may be, for example, a, a recital that says the arrangements for contacts which are set out below will, will apply, but if, if a weekend is missed because of illness, the expectation is that weekend will be made up on another occasion. And, and the narcissist will take that away, assuming that it's an absolutely rock solid guarantee that they've played a blinder in getting this recital on the face of the court order that um, gives them the opportunity to say to their, their former partner, oh, well, the child was ill last weekend and it was my weekend. So I, I now get two weekends on the trot because of illness. And that the person who agreed to that recital simply agreed to it on the basis that, well, you know, it, it really means let's see how we go moving forwards. And I, I think it, it just allows uh, gaps to appear in, in what should be a fairly watertight uh, regime. And, and Supriya, it goes back to your point that when dealing with a narcissist, you need to be as detailed as possible and allow as little room for flexibility as possible. And I think a lot of barristers probably aren't aware of that. Perhaps we shouldn't be using the word narcissistic. Perhaps, you know, I mean, I, th I think we should. I think that's the right word to use. But perhaps some barristers aren't ready to hear that word. And perhaps if they just sort of understood the kind of high conflict nature with a view to then closing any loopholes that might have that they might have sort of let through, that might be the way forwards. It is just absolutely crucial in my view. I think one of the problems using the example that, that Nick has just given is that if you're handing any kind of control to that parent or any opportunity to mani manipulate something, then they will. And it's actually far better to turn it around on its head to say that, in effect, if there are any missed times as a consequence of illness or otherwise, that actually, unless the parents are able to agree that they be made up, in fact, they won't be unless there's a specific reason for doing so. And then there will be a mechanism to discuss that, which will be X, Y and Z, so that you don't hand the opportunity to say, well, I, you know, I didn't get that. Or, or worse still for the, the parent to say, well, I was unwell or I had to do this or I had to go sit to such and such for work on this weekend. So now I need to catch up with all sorts of other weekends um, regardless, um, because it sets up an immediate manipulative game. So I think actually what, what you want to be saying when you're drafting orders is that um, there's an expectation that there will be no alteration to this arrangement. But if something you know, beyond everybody's control does happen, then mum and dad need to agree that the default position will be that if they can't agree, it won't be made up rather than that it will. Um, now, of course, you've got to be really careful then that you've got it right and you're not then handing to... To the narcissistic parent, yeah. The, to say oh they're always poorly and so they can't come so it highlights so strongly that you've got to understand the people you're dealing with I think we saw this in COVID. I mean, I can think of cases where the narcissistic parent was saying, well, you know, they're not allowed to come to see, even though the law was that they could actually go and see the other parent. There were all sorts of occasions where people were saying, well, you know, they can't come to see you or they've got a sniffle or I've got a sniffle or you commute to London on the train and therefore it's dangerous. And so they can't come to see you because I don't want them getting it and then me getting it. There were just so many issues during COVID. Um, narcissistic parents exploited that so much and even uh, just to the extent of saying I don't feel comfortable with it and suddenly that became an excuse for saying well they can't they can't come to see you because I don't feel comfortable and um, it's all about power dynamics isn't it? It, it, it set the power dynamic
And of course, there was a lot of projection going on with that as well. They don't feel comfortable. That was um, that was another um, thing that I heard a lot of. They, you know, the child doesn't feel comfortable um, coming to see you because of COVID. Because quite often, that's the way they'll actually word it rather than I don't feel comfortable. Because of course, they see the child as an extension of themselves anyway, as not being separate from themselves. So it, it's very, very difficult indeed. My brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.